Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Come on, can we just stand on our feet and give God some praise tonight? I came with a fire in my belly. I know God's going to show up tonight. You may come just to check me out, but how do you not know God came here to check you out? I believe that His Spirit is going to pour out on this place tonight. Can we just lift up our hands right now and just say, God, we honor you. We thank you. I thank you, God, for your fire, that we came here to cultivate the fire. We came here hungrier than this morning. Lord, I came in here wanting a word for myself, God. I came here preaching to myself. Lord, I thank you for your love, your grace, your power. We are just clay in your hands, Lord. So do the impossible tonight. Pour out your spirit. Send the fire in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every heart says, amen. I'm I'm so excited. You may be seated at this time. I'm going to go right into this message. It's an honor to be here. Who is here this morning? Come on. Isn't Jesus amazing? Come on. Thank you, two people. He's amazing. We got to worship and just talk about when God speaks. uh, And I believe he's going to speak again tonight because we serve a speaking God. He's not dead. He's alive. He's alive and active. See, there's a lot of gods out there, but there's only one God, and he's still on the throne today, and he's the breath of life, and I'm thankful to be here, another day to live, uh, another day to represent him, his mercies are new, great is his faithfulness, so I'm just, it's an honor to come back to Refuge, so thank you guys for welcoming me me and having me behind this pulpit from the pastors, Matt, and your amazing wife and your family, thank you for having me, I know they're going to be watching this, probably, you guys doing live stream? No? Okay, they're going to watch this later then. But, uh, yeah, it's an honor to be here, so I'm excited. Um, I believe that God gave me a word for tonight, but how many know that the God that we serve is, he's so loving that nobody's too dirty for him to cleanse? Uh, We're not too broken for God to fix, and I believe that nobody's too far for God to reach. And, you know, what's amazing about his healing power is that I tell people I don't, ask for healing, I command healing. I demand, because Jesus paid a high price for it. So I take it because it's, it's mine. You know, I told a couple earlier, we know in the, in the Bible it says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. It doesn't say we will be. We were, it says we are we are healed. So I'm just thankful that we have the power and the authority over all devils. And in the name of Jesus, power shows up. Every devil's got to bow at that name. The name above every other name. I mean, we got to know who we serve. The name of Jesus is so powerful that when you mention that name, demons have to flee. I don't believe. The devils believe and they tremble. You know, and it's just awesome to know that uh, the, the king that we serve is, he's just alive and he's paid a high price to know us. And I'm thankful for uh, just his grace, and, and nobody's too guilty for him to forgive. There's, there's freedom, there's forgiveness through the blood of his son, and, and the price that Jesus paid, there's just so much, there's so much freedom, and there's so much grace, and it's a free gift that we could never deserve, so I'm thankful for the gift of salvation. Nobody's too worthless for him to love, so I'm going to go right into this message. I can go on and on about Jesus, because he's amazing. There's no other name under heaven given among mankind by which we must be saved. It's the only name. I was praying earlier, and I said, God, thank you that no other name can heal like you can. 
No, you meant you could pray in any name, but when you pray in the name of Jesus, you'll start to see miracles. You could try to pray in any other God's name, but when you mention the name of Jesus, your family starts to get saved. Your lost family members get saved. They come to know Christ. When you mention the name of Jesus, something happens in your finances, in your marriage, in your family, in your ministry, because there's power in that name. And I believe that we're going to, when we call on that name tonight, Something is going to happen, and I'm excited to be a part of that. How many know revival is breaking out in our generation? And, and this, this army of God is, is full of purpose, full of passion, full of love, and we just aggressively take over cities and neighborhoods and nations, and we just love to lead people to Jesus. Is there any other enlisted soldiers in here that have enlisted in the army of the living Savior? I, if you haven't, I, I, I hope that my goal is at the end of this message that you would enlist with us and we would go on and, and turn this world upside down for Christ. So if you have your Bibles with me, you don't have to put it on the screen. You can if you want, if, that's, uh, if you're able to. I'm going to preach out of the book of Jonah. How many have read the book of Jonah? Uh, it's a powerful short, short story in the, in the Bible. And I want to read a little bit in the beginning and then I'm going to preach to you. Uh, is that all right? I'm going to read it, then I'm going to preach. Jonah chapter 1, where Jonah flees from the Lord, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying for the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind, I want you just to stick with me with this, on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went in to him and said how can you sleep get up and call on your God maybe he would take notice of us that we will not perish you know what's crazy at catching this verses they've tried everything else in just a few verses earlier it says that they each cried out to their own God you know what's awesome is that they tried everything else but the only thing left was Jesus and so they said Let, let's try your God why, why don't you call on your God and maybe maybe he would take notice of us so that we will not perish Verse 7 says, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people? From what people are you? And he answered this, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this, ter this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he already told them so. Verse 11 says, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea, the sea calm down for us? And Jonah said this, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault, that this great storm has come upon you. Verse 13 says, instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. 
Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Isn't this crazy? They threw him overboard. See, some people think this is a metaphor. I believe that they actually threw him overboard. This is what the Bible says. It's crazy. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. You know what's crazy? I just, for a few more seconds here, I want to read a few more verses. And this is where Jonah had a desperation. He said, now, Lord, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. <laughs> I got to say this, Justin, you'll like this. Uh, this is just a joke. I heard some pastors say this. I was cracking up so hard. He's like, Jonah thought he had a free will. <laughs> this is so bad. I don't even know if I should say it. Jonah thought he had free will, but he got a free willy. I was cracking up so bad, but some of you will catch that later. I just had to throw that in there for a second. He was sitting in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. From the inside, the fish, inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, and he said this. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed has wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry land. And I'll just summarize the rest of chapter 3 and 4 as Jonah goes to Nineveh, and he obeys God, and... He preaches to this great large city, and God brought revival to the city. But I want to preach tonight on returning back to the Lord, about running away from Him. Because a lot of us feel called, a lot of us know we're called in here, but maybe you have run, run, ran away from the Lord, or you're running right now, or you've ran away, but you know the Lord brought you back like myself, and I ran away from the call. I told my parents, you never, you'll never see me preach behind a pulpit, and look at me here. So this is out of my comfort zone. But how many know that when God takes you out of your comfort zone, that's when he can do something with you. And I just want to preach about running away from the Lord like Jonah did and, and God calling you back to him tonight because there's a lot of us in this place that we know we're called to ministry. There's a lot of pastors in here, teachers, preachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets. And God has called you to do something specific to impact the kingdom of God. You know he's called you to attract unbelievers to his kingdom, but you're running away from the call. Maybe like myself, you wanted to be in law enforcement, you wanted to go to the military, you wanted to do what you do, and you have your dreams and your vision, and, and that's all good and, and everything, but what God has for you is better than what you have for yourself. That's what I figured out. That's the conclusion I came to, is that what he has for me is so much better than what I can ever even imagine or plan for myself. And I ran away from the Lord, and he called me back. And look what's happening. 
People getting saved, people getting delivered and set free all over the world because of my yes, my obedience. And I believe that if you give him your yes and your obedience, there's millions of souls waiting to be saved. There's people waiting on what you carry. But all you've got to do is stop running and come back to Jesus. Because when you come back to him, that's when you'll figure out what he's called you to do. So I just want to talk a little bit about that. How God has many ways to get our attention. And here's the question. What is God willing to do to bring you back into himself? What is he willing to do? Maybe you left God because you carelessly drifted from him or you consciously disobeyed him. Regardless, what is God willing to do right now? Those of you in this place that desire to see God move in the church must grasp this truth. God is willing to do whatever it takes to bring us back to him. Somebody got to catch that tonight. He will do whatever it takes to bring you back to him. I want you to catch this right here. You could be a thousand steps away from him. And this is how awesome he is. He will take 999 steps towards you and leave just one step for you to take toward him. Come on, give it up for Jesus. That's how amazing he is. You could be a thousand steps away and he'll take the majority, 99.9% of the way towards you. And all you've got to do is take one more step and say, here I am, Lord. I'm going to stop running and I'm going to stop running away and doing my own thing. I know you've called me and I say yes to you. When you come to that surrender and you say, Holy Spirit, I say yes to you. Empower me to be effective for your kingdom. Some things will happen in your life. And as we look closer at Jonah, we begin to see ourselves. Your spiritual fire has gone out or you have chosen a life of outright rebellion against our Lord, then you should know this. God has many ways to get our attention. What is God willing to do? That's my question tonight. And in this story, we see some actions I want to I share with you. of What God uses to awaken us from our spiritual slumber and in our own selfish ways and our prideful ways. And you know what's crazy is, Jesus says in his word, cast all your anxiety onto me because I care for you. Cast all your care onto me. And then he says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in me with all of your heart. Our pride says, God, I trust myself. I trust me with me. And what's crazy is that's pride because we're basically telling God that I trust me with me more than I trust you with me. But I believe tonight that God wants to awaken something on the inside of us. Where we realize that we were called. I told somebody earlier, I said, we were called for a specific task. It's this simple. Like the fish were made for the sea. Like the birds were made for the air. You were made for something specific. And until we come to this revelation, we're going to continue to just go through the motions. We're going to continue with our everyday routine of, of our life. And we're going to leave out. There's so many amazing things God has in store for us, but we just like to go our own way. But I believe God wants to bring us back to him tonight. And that was Jonah. He was heading in the wrong direction, both physically and spiritually. So God intervened to turn him around. And I want to share with you what happened when he went to Nineveh. And as the story unfolds, one cannot miss the, the interplay between God and Jonah. God matches every move of Jonah with a counter move of correction. He corrected him. It's not his punishment. It's his correction. A lot of us take God's punishment. We take his correction for punishment. And we got to know that he loves us enough that sometimes things will happen in our life to get our attention. 
And he just, he just wants to use us. He's saying, hey, I'm here. What does it take for you just to surrender to me? What does it take for you just to, to keep your eyes focused on me? Because I've got some places for you to go. I've got things for you to do. How many believe that in this place? You know God has called you to something. You know it with all of your heart. You're wholeheartedly convinced. This is my first point right here. Is he sends storms in your life. And in chapter 1 verse 4, the text tells us that the Lord, the Lord hurled a violent wind. God often uses the storms of adversity to teach us or to correct us. And this storm in this word illustrated the spiritual struggle of Jonah's heart. And while the rebellious prophet knew what was right, a fierce battle raged in his soul. He knew God called him to, I want you to stay with me, this is so powerful. He knew that God called him to preach to Nineveh, to bring the, call them back to repentance. But he was so wanting to do his, caught up in his own ways, he went out to this, this, uh, this place and went out to sea and went to the city called Tarshish. And he went on the boat, just going the opposite direction of where God called him to go. And even the storm that came, God had to send a, a fish to swallow him. And he was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. I don't know about you, but I don't want to disobey him to the point where a storm comes into my life like that. First, I don't want to be caught up in a fish, that's for sure. That's disgusting. That's nasty. And I believe that God's goal in affliction is to awaken. I really do believe it. Sometimes things that hurt us gets our attention. You know, this is... This is what God showed me last year, the year 2018. I am so thankful for the pain and the hurt that has happened in my life. What do you say, Matt? Because without that pain, without that hurt, I wouldn't have stumbled across my strength. You have, this is for somebody in this place. I don't know who it's for, but you need to be thankful for the wounds that push you toward God. You need to be thankful for the wounds that push you toward him and to say, man, I've got nobody else to go to anymore. I've, I feel like I hit rock bottom. And that's when you discover that he is the rock at the bottom. That's when you discover that broken things can become blessed things if you let him do the mending. If you let him mend your heart. And I'm so thankful for the things that happened because it, it, it gave me more wisdom, more maturity. Just a, you learn by trial and error. But I'm thankful for the wounds that push me toward God. And as we see God use this meth, method of correction in this, in this story, many times in the Bible, even Jacob's, I wrote down here, his deception was followed by the deception of his father-in-law. The Israelites refused to seize the promised land and were focused, forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Samson lost his eyes and spent the rest of his days pushing a grindstone like a donkey. And King David had to run from his own son. While storms come into our lives for several reasons, we should always ask God, God, what are you trying to show me and tell me through this trial? And when I go through some trials and some tribulations, even the Bible says to take heart because Jesus has already overcome the world. We're supposed to be in it, but not of it. We're supposed to be in it, but not of it. It builds perseverance. It builds character. What are you trying to show me in this trial? Some of you are going through something right now. You know what you need to start asking yourself? What's the lesson and where's the blessing? Oh, I'm going through something. I'm going to start looking for my blessing. And I'm going to start looking for a lesson out of this. Because I know that God is trying to show me something. 
He's trying to shake me up to my core so I can focus on him. Another point here is that he touches someone near you. In verse 1 through 5, as I read, although Jonah had sinned, the sailors were afraid, the Bible says. And our sins will certainly get somebody in trouble. How many of you know that? Sin takes you further than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it costs you more than you want to pay. And you know what's crazy is the wages of sin. Sin would not be so attractive if the wages were paid immediately. Isn't that, think about that for a second. Sin would not be so attractive if the wages were paid immediately. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. A temporary feeling for an eternal loss. I don't want to invite the discipline of God in my life. We have to walk in purity and holiness, and sometimes we fall, but we got to run toward Jesus in the secret place. You can fall into the same sin over and over, but if you'd run to him every single time, he will pour his grace out upon you, and he'll tell you how much he loves you, and he will just tell you that he's the chain breaker. He wants to break every chain off your life. You know, I believe tonight that every chain of depression, you know what's crazy is this. A lot of us struggle with so many different things, and the devil has tormented us for so long. And I believe tonight if we come in this mode of saying, I want to torment the devil tonight. I want to torment darkness tonight. I want to torment depression. I want to torment anxiety i want to torment suicide i want to torment sexual sin tell the devil you've overstayed your visit he leaves when you tell him to he leaves when you tell him to and we're gonna kick i want to punch a demon in the face tonight (laughs) are you with me andy come on bro God no longer wants you to run away from him. The devil's trying to pull you in different directions. You know, one time I was, I was, at, I was in my house, in my room, and, and the Lord showed me this vision of like a maze. Anybody ever see that movie Maze Runner? Well, it's something, imagine these big, these just big walls, a big maze. And you're at the front of the maze, and this is like the season of your life. And the end of the maze is just the promises of God. Even in the season of your life. And we're going through this maze, and obviously we don't know which way to turn that leads us to the end of the maze. We don't know how to get out. We basically, if you go in a maze, you have to find out how to get out. But in, in this walk with the Lord, obviously he's our guide. The Holy Spirit is our guide, and we know that. He's our counselor. He's a consuming fire. We, we, know, we know that. He's the cornerstone. But God showed me, like, in this maze, when we get our eyes off of him, we tend to drift away from where he wants us to be and we find ourselves taking a left when we should have took a right and then we just delay our calling by entertaining our flesh and we take a detour and then it takes us longer to get back around again and then we keep our eyes on him and then he'll lead us into the direction that he's called us in into and so he showed me this a lot of us we do that in our walk in our life is we take a left when we should have took a right We go the opposite way when God is calling us this way. And a lot of us, we take that route for good because we know we don't want to do what God has called us to do because we're bothered by it. It bothers us. But you know you're called and God has amazing things for you. So I just feel tonight that's the same thing. Many of you may be going through a maze of life. The the season that you're in may be a maze and you don't know which route to take, which way to go, the direction. I believe tonight God is going to turn you around. You're going to take a U-turn and you're going to come back to him. Because think about it this way, when you go, on, when you're driving on the expressway, those who drive and have their license, and you're going on the wrong way, because you, when, 
on the other side usually has red signs saying, do not wrong way. Can you imagine driving on the opposite side of the road? I think, I wasn't going to say that, Pastor Matt, didn't he drive on the opposite side of the road in Australia? Uh, It says wrong way. So that's what repentance is, is a U-turn. Your first instinct you're going to do if you're going the wrong way is you're going to what? You're going to turn around. And I believe God is saying tonight that if you turn around, I will bless you. And I will teach you my ways. And I will show you how faithful I am to you. But you have to give him your yes. And when the storm came, Jonah was about to drown. But remember, no one drowns alone. The storm that touched his life touched the lives of all those around him in the ship. Even after King David's sin, he remained in an unrepentant state for nearly a year. And you might recall that after about eight months, the prophet Nathan confronted David. And Nathan told David that the child born of the king's adultery would die. Now the child went to heaven, but God touched the child to get David's attention. And I'm here tonight saying that you should consider the answer to this question. What is God willing to do to bring you back to him? And the answer is whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. God knows which nerve to touch to get your attention. And I want you to remember this. Calm may not come in their lives until it comes in your life. And the same thing on the ship. Jonah, he said, I, don't, I know that it's me. I know that I'm the reason that this storm is here. So just throw me off the ship. And he was willing to even lay down his own life. And I believe the same thing for us. We need to know, learn how to lay down our life for Christ. A lot of us, we, we try to talk about God, but are we walking with him? I'll be crucifying our flesh every single day. Jesus says, those who want to follow me must deny themselves. Take up your cross and follow me. A lot of people wearing a cross on their neck, but are you bearing the cross? Are we, are we understanding that, man, this walk is hard, but with the strength of God and the Holy Spirit, we can begin to push forward. See, we got to stop looking for ways to get out and start looking for ways to get through. I'm tired of going to people that have the same struggle. I want to look for people who've overcome the struggle. See, when you get around people who have that wisdom and say, man, I've been there. You don't want to go there because it will, I'm telling you, it will save you a lot of time. If you take the wisdom, I promise you, you will not end up in a storm but this was Jonah he ended up in the storm another point here is he's going to send somebody to you as a storm raged the captain approached him and even this guy that was leading the ship he didn't even follow God yet God used the unbeliever to correct Jonah and what's crazy is that God loves us so much that he would do anything it takes for us to come back to him We all know the story of the prodigal son when the younger son left to spend all his inheritance and everything in the country. And when he all ran out of everything and he found himself eating with the pigs, he said, man, I I just, I I miss my father. I want to go back and I want to, I want to have everything again. And what's crazy is he made, when he made his way back to his father, his father was already there with open arms. And what's so amazing about this is a lot of us, we beat ourselves up over things that we've done, but I believe just like the the story of the prodigal son and the father and his great love for him was just there. He didn't say, go to your room, you're grounded and this and that. He just said, come, come. And he he kissed him and put the the best robes on him and the shoes on his feet and rings on his feet. He gave him the best of the best, a fattened calf, everything, open arms. 
No matter what you've done, no matter how far you are, God is calling you back home tonight. God is calling you. There's nothing that you've done that you confess to him that will ever make him love you any less. The love of Jesus will cover every sin that you committed. Is there anybody thankful for his love? Thank you, Jesus. The person God uses is not the issue. God can speak to us through a loved one or a stranger, a Christian or a lost person, a child or an adult, a minister or a member. We see this pattern throughout scriptures. God, he used young Samuel to speak to Eli, the witch of Endor to speak to Saul, a little girl to speak to Peter at the fire, and Paul to speak to Philemon. What, what, does, ma- what does matter is your response when God speaks to your heart. What is your response when he's calling you and he's saying, come to me, don't go that way, come this way. What is your response to him? What is your heart posture like? We thank you, Jesus, for your power. We thank you, Lord. We should view that person as God's messenger. He'll send people to you to get your attention. When the Lord sends someone to us, we can respond to those messages with anger or humility. But we cannot ignore that God is speaking. And I believe tonight that God's going to expose the things in our life. You know, it's all about the fire. We want joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Persistent faith never loses. And I believe that anybody can build a fire. But to keep that fire going is obviously by a bundle of sticks. And what is the bundle of sticks? Prayer, fasting, and giving. We want sustained revival in Refuge Church. Are you living a lifestyle of prayer? Are you living a lifestyle of fasting? You know, the beautiful thing about fasting is this. It's an affliction to the soul. And you don't get rewards because you fast. God answers you not because you fast, but because when you fast, it aligns your heart with his will. And you're, you're getting in alignment with the heart of God. And I just want to say this. If you're a part of this church, get plugged in. And serve these amazing pastors. Serve this ministry. And I promise the favor of God will rest on your life. You know, I love how they were talking about giving up here. Because if you, this is what I've learned in my life. If you release what's in your hands, he will release what's in his hands. If you, this is so true. Sometimes you got to release what you have so that you can receive what you need. A lot of you that gave in the offering tonight, you got to tell God, God, I don't want to spend this seed. I want to invest this seed. I want to invest this into the kingdom of God. I want to invest this into somebody getting saved, somebody getting healed, somebody getting delivered. And I just want to say this. If you go to this church, you got to tithe. You will be blessed if you tithe. Giving your 10% to God. Everything I get. So I get a $20 bill, find out $2 I text to give in my church. I don't care what it is. I'm texting the tithe because I know that God will bless me. It's all his anyways. He's not asking for it. He owns all that there is. So what are you saying, Matt? I'm saying this. All of my income belongs to him. He's not, he's not just wanting 10 he's, All he's asking for is 10%. And he's allowing us to keep the 90. He's not, tell, he's not telling all you can keep. No, he's allowing us to keep the 90 We're lucky it's not the other way around where he's telling us, I want the 90% and I'm allowing you to keep the 10. Come on, is there anybody thankful that he's a provisional God? He's a provisional God. So I just said a little nugget there about giving. It takes finances for ministry to function. So I'm all about sowing in the ministry in the church because, man, we need need the lights on in this church. We need the cameras to keep going. We need the, the, the... the, the guitar and all this stuff to keep playing and everything we got in order for it to keep going and keep flowing we got to keep giving and keep sowing amen
Dang, that rhymed right there. Okay. The crew on here, the Bible says that they casted lots to see who caused this calamity, and they found out they discovered the guilty party was, uh, was Jonah. And it's interesting in here that while the unbelieving sailors discerned that the storm represented God's hand against someone on board, Jonah did not even know that. And they knew. They're like, what is happening on the ship? And I believe that God is going to pour out his spirit tonight, man. I believe it. I truly do. And I love, I love, I love these stories because there's so much revelation in it. And I said this morning that these scriptures have a voice. This Bible is the language of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the time we're living in, we need to get into this word until the word gets in us. We really do. There's a time where they're going to take our Bible from us. And do we know it? Do we know him? I want to go to the nations and preach, and I want to be a missionary. How are you going to go to the nations if you don't have a word from God? How are we going to preach to people if we don't have a word? I want a word from God, and I want to know him, and I want to spend time with him until he speaks to me. I said, God, I don't even have a message for tonight. What am I going to preach? And in prayer, he spoke to me, Jonah. And I knew, I said, wow, this makes so much sense. Because so many of us run away from him. We run away from our call, but he's calling you back tonight. This is the simplicity of the gospel. I believe he's calling somebody back to him. And when you come back to him, you're going to just see amazing blessings like you've never seen before. I'm telling you, it's the best decision that you could ever make is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. That's the best decision I've made. You taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, I don't, I don't, there's a lot of different paths you could take. Yeah, there is, but there's only one that leads you to eternal life. God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. He's the author of faith. He's the author of eternal and he wants you to know he's the only way he's the only answer life without jesus is a dead end i don't know man i tried to try jesus and if you don't like him the devil will always take you back God used a pagan pharaoh to expose Abraham's lie about his wife in Genesis 12, 10 through 20. God used an angry brother to expose Jacob's deception of his father. God used Mordecai to expose Haman's plot to have all the Jews exterminated. God used Peter to expose Simon Mingus false motives. God used Paul to expose Peter's hypocrisy. And the Lord exposed the flaming hypocrisy of the Pharisees. God can expose any sin of any sinner. And I want to tell you tonight that God wants to awaken us and he wants to revive us back to him because if we keep our eyes on him and we say God I surrender and I want your plan for my life I want to prophesy and I want to walk and flow in the gifts of the spirit because there's people waiting on what's on the inside of me the creator of creation we were just out to lunch today and uh, our server named John probably not here because he's working but we asked him a question and we were like hey bro how's your experience with God like you know just curious asking a question just loving on this guy and we told him, look, bro, we don't twist arms. We don't force anything on you. We're not here to convert you. We're here to save you. And we just got to share a conversation with him, and he said he's, well, just, he was in a Catholic church, and uh, some, some stuff, some scandal broke out, whatever, and they just it hasn't been the same since. And what's crazy is that Jesus has been hurt by the church the most, yet he shows up every week. And I'm just like, we can't let that stuff influence what God says should happen. We can't see my pastor always told me, son, don't be moved by what you see. Stand on what you know. Stand on what you know. See, are, are, are we being moved by what we see today or are we standing on the word of God? Are we standing on the word of God? We thank you, Jesus. And once Jonah learned of his, of his guilt and 
found out that he was the reason the storm was happening. They picked him up and they threw him into the sea. What does this mean, even theology? In our theology, theologically, what does this mean? If you really, really think about it, of what's happening in this verse, of them on the boat and just imagine this storm and raging seas. And he says, just throw me off. That's just suicidal. Just throw me into the sea. It's my fault. I believe that this means that God's hand of protection can become his hand of correction. I truly believe it. His hand of protection can become his hand of correction. What is God correcting you on today? Well, you know that in your heart, what is he correcting you on? What is he teaching you? What is he showing you? God is no respecter of persons. He used even Moses' sister with leprosy. In Acts 5, Luke describes the incredible events surrounding the death of Ananias and Sapphira who had tried to deceive the church and lie to the Holy Spirit. And later Paul stated that those believers that disregarded the sanctity of the Lord's Supper were suffering physically and some had died. Why would God do these things? If God loves us too much to allow us to do these things, why, why, why would he have us suffer? Why would he allow these things? God allows us too much. He loves us too much to allow us to live in immorality and in sin. He would do whatever it takes to get your attention. Well, Matt, why would a loving God, if he's so loving and this Jesus you serve is so full of love, why would a loving God send anyone to hell? And I say the real question is why would anybody choose hell over a loving God? It's so true. Why would a loving God send anyone? Why would anybody choose hell over a loving God? It's your choice. You send yourself there. But Jesus paid a price for you to have everlasting life. Not only for you to get to heaven, but for heaven to get inside of you through the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody thankful for the price that Jesus paid on the cross? He loves us too much to continue on a path of immorality and loss. I'm not suggesting that every illness or accident is a direct intervention of God for disobedience. But what I am saying here, the Bible reveals several possible reasons. But we must acknowledge that disobedience is one of those reasons. And a lot of us are disobedient. But I believe God's going to expose that tonight. He's going to pick us back up. And we're going to follow him. Jonah even said, you pick me up. He could have jumped, but he had to lay his life down for the others. God desires to awaken our spirit. This is my last point here. He desires to awaken our spirit. Why would God use seemingly drastic intervention to get our attention? Is God mad at us? Does he desire to punish us? No, his correction is another expression of his love, his grace, and his goodness. You know what's awesome is even God's no has goodness written all over it. Even his, I want this to happen in my life. And he says, no, it's because he has something better. See, when God asks you to put something down, it's because he wants you to pick up something greater. He really does. I want you to lay this down. All right, God, I know that you have something better for me. You got to come to that place in your life. When there's a trial, I'm looking for the lesson and I'm looking for the blessing. You want me to put this down? All right, God, you want me to pick up something greater? So I'm going to trust in you because I know, God, that you are in control of my life. And you see what I don't see. You may see something that's going to happen that I'm not sure about. I don't know what's going to happen if I continue in this sin and continue in this path of immorality. Something can happen to me, but I'm thankful, like I said this morning, that he wrecks our plans before our plans wreck us. God desires for us to acknowledge his presence. Jonah ran from the presence of God, but God wanted him back. I believe that God desires tonight for us to acknowledge our sin. And that's a key to revival, is confessing your sin. And we know that Jonah even offered a public confession. For the Bible says, for he had told them. 
It's me. I'm the reason that this storm is here. He desires for us to submit to his will. And I don't know about you tonight, but I'm even myself saying, God, I want to submit to your will. We have to stop asking God to guide our footsteps if we're not willing to move our feet. We have to. Are you willing to rise up and start walking with him? And say, man, I'm, a kid. I'm, a, I'm just going to push through because I know that he's got a plan for my life. God requires genuine repentance. How should we respond to God's loving promptings? I, I want to tell you that this, this is the thing right here. He wants you to repent of your sin so that he can cleanse you and wash you from all your iniquity. See, the Bible says that let us approach the throne of grace in Hebrews with boldness so that we may obtain mercy and grace in our time of need. I believe that tonight we're going to approach the throne of grace with boldness. Tonight we're going to say, God... Create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Is this making sense, everybody? Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for every individual in this place. Listen, friend, God wants you. He wants you back. He wants you to come back to him. And I believe that you must take a step toward him. You want him to take a step towards you. I believe tonight that God wants you back, but you must take a step toward him. And this step is called repentance. He's in this place tonight, and he's ready to heal. He's ready to save, and he's ready to deliver. But do you have a heart to receive? And do you have a yes for him? Can I get the worship team to come up at this point? I believe that. Those in this place say, Matt, I'm struggling in this repeated cycle of sin. And I'm just having a hard time, a difficult time getting out of this. I want to let you know that there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Where old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Tonight, we're going to come to the revelation of walking in our new man. And we're going to leave this place renewed, restored, empowered, revived, awakened. Is there anybody that wants to experience this power? I don't know about you, but I didn't come here to play games. I'm not a professor, but I came here not to preach to you, but to shout with you and to let you know that the Jesus that I serve wants to make his home on the inside of you, and he wants you to come back to him and stop running away from the things of life. Stop running away from him and start running to him because he's going to protect you. He's going to guide you. He's going to provide for you because where he guides, he provides. And he wants to show you how faithful he is tonight. As they start playing, can I get everybody to stand up at this moment? We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. 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 Sometimes God has to shake us to awaken us. In order for Jonah to respond to the call to go to Nineveh and preach what God has called him to preach, God had to shake him to awaken him. And I believe there's going to be a shaking in this place tonight. And as there comes a shaking, what's going to follow is an awakening. Who wants an awakening? Every head bowed. 
every eye closed. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I said this morning that the world really does love Jesus. Just doesn't like the church. The church loves the church, but it doesn't like Jesus. A lot of it. But I believe the people that are in this place today, church is not just a place we go, it's who we are. This place is not a place of religion. I love Refuge Church because the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit dwells in this place. It's not religion tonight, it's relationship. We all hear that often. But religion, what it does is it changes your behavior, but Jesus changes your heart. Religion focuses on filling churches with people, but the gospel focuses on filling people with God. Religion makes you proud of what you've done, but the gospel of Jesus Christ makes you proud of what he's already done. So with every head bowed, I just want you to know tonight, right now is the moment of salvation. Even growing up, I want you to look at me again. <laughs> We're going to just exercise your neck for a second. I want, you, I want you to know this before I close and before we start singing and do this altar call. Growing up, I had enough God in my life not to enjoy the world. But I had enough of the world in my life not to enjoy God. And I think that the, the same thing goes with a lot of us in this place. And we attended a stadium event over in this past January or February. And this man of God said these words right here. He said, we need to say yes to him right now. Because a man in a river drowning does not need to be saved tomorrow or next week. He needs to be saved right now. He needs to be saved right now. Right now is your moment. And you don't miss your moment. We got to get over ourselves and believe the gospel. We need to know who our father is. And I believe tonight we've got to come to this revelation. Revival requires a change in the deepest levels of the heart. Revival tarries when the church feels that they are in charge of the church. But tonight we're surrendering our agenda for his. We're going to inspire the Christ in you to function. And tonight, as we pray, God's going to awaken some things. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we thank you for your power. We thank you for who you are. You're the lover of our soul, God. The apple of our eye. You are the deliverer. We thank you for your healing and your saving, delivering power. Jesus, tonight. And Lord, we just pray that before we have this altar call, that you would just tug on each heart, Lord. And you would show them what you've called them to do. You would reveal to them your will. Let your will come forth tonight. In the name of Jesus, let your love be revealed tonight. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I thank you for your power. The waters are stirring tonight, God. And we want to be committed to the mission, Lord. I thank you that the gospel is free, but it requires those who follow to lose their life so that you may live in us instead. And when we try to hold on to our life, we lose it. But through giving it away, we gain all that God has for us and more. And Jesus says this, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled you got to recognize your spiritual identity. And if you don't draw your identity from him, you'll never have a passion for him. So I want you to say this with me, church. If you're in this place and you say, Matt, I've been running from him. 
I've been running from him and I know that he's calling me. If that's you, I just want to wave, want you to wave your hand all over this place. I see all those hands. I see those hands. Praise God. If you're in here, you say, Matt, I want to be bold and unashamed like you and some other people are and I want to pray for the sick and I want to, I want to walk in signs and wonders and I want to be all that God has called me to be and I want to do what he's called me to do. Then I, I want to tell you this. If that's you, you need to come up to this altar right now. The altars are open. If that's you and you say, Matt, I need this in my life. I'm responding to my own altar call. I'm the first one. And that, that should be every single body in this place coming up to this altar in, in a posture of humility and letting God do something in our life. If you're in here say, Matt, I've been running. I've been running. I need a healing. If you need a healing, make your way to this altar. If you need clarity for some things in your life, if you've been asking God for some things in your life, make your way to this altar. If you want a fresh encounter, come to this altar. Those are my altar calls right now as they begin to sing. Come on, there's still time. It doesn't matter what people think. We all need to lay down our lives for Jesus. My last altar call is this. Those who didn't respond to the first few I did. Make your way up here and let God touch you. And let God breathe on your life. I'm telling you, He's real. As they begin to sing right now, let's lift up our hands and worship. We're going to cry out. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. God's going to show up. Come on, we just got to press in right now. Let's worship. Let's worship. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.net.